come and play college football every year. You know, they're 18, 19, 20 years old, and they're a few generations removed from that accident. So it, it doesn't surprise me um, because even the movie itself, as you guys know, was um, it came out in 2006, which is now, what, 17 years ago. So time flies, as we know. And uh, But, yeah, I, I, do, I do see uh, what you're saying, and people get caught up in their lives, and maybe they – have or haven't heard of an historical event, but um, there's st there's still a lot of people that have, and, and um, the ones who don't and have heard about it for the first time are usually kind of awestruck by the by the entire story. So I, I completely get what you're saying about wow that that really happened, and, and um, it sh it sure did. Tragically, it did, but you know the way the way things have happened after that, uh, I think is uh, that makes for a pretty remarkable story. Football it, it, or no football, just in, in life. It know? really is because, you know, you're talking about losing everyone but about four or five players. A lot of the uh, people from the university, the boosters, parents, um, and we'll get into this, the team physician also. But s there were so many, and you're really starting from from ground one once again. And that's that's truly remarkable and where they got the program to. Uh, while you were doing the broadcast, winning the MAC championships, uh, it was bowl games. It's really a phenomenal uh, story, all in itself. It really is, and um, you know, back in in those days, uh, in the late '60s. I mean, there's so many interesting stories about that time. And uh, I interviewed Bobby Bowden once. Uh, in fact, in Mobile, at one of the bowl games, and um, Bobby Bowden would eventually end up coaching West Virginia before he left to go on to fame at Florida State. But um, he was offered the job in 68 when Rick Colley wanted the job. And he told me this story in Mobile, and I, I, had, I had not known that. I, um, and then he, he said, yeah, you know, there, but maybe for the grace of God, go I. And he always thinks about that. And uh, I, was, I was just kind of astounded that all these connections to, to uh, college football and and lo and behold, he had a he had an opportunity to take the job. But as he pointed out then, Marshall wasn't a, a football school back then. It was a basketball school. It was, uh, you know, Dan D'Antoni, who's now the basketball coach, and and that basketball team was, you know, they were going to New York City and playing in the um, the uh, NIT, which is a huge deal back then. But football uh, had struggled in the '60s, and they were turning the corner that year in, in 1970. Uh, they had, and I'm I'm sure that. You guys have read about this, too. They had several players from Alabama. They went to Tuscaloosa and recruited, recruited heavily. Red Dawson, who obviously is in the movie and is an integral part of what happened after that crash, uh, recruited Reggie Oliver, the quarterback, and uh, Dennis Blevins, and several players from, from Tuscaloosa. And the story was um, Red had called Bear Bryant, and at that time, as you all, I'm sure, also know, he said, we, we, uh, we have a hard time right now taking African-American players. So, you know, we've got a couple over here that, that maybe can help you. And those guys came up. Um, and, of course, Reggie was a freshman, so he wasn't on the plane. And he went on to real success after, after the crash and led him to that win over Xavier, which is portrayed in the movie. But, uh, yeah, the way the whole thing just uh, dovetailed from that tragedy, and, and, and I think the key point was, that they played again that next year. I feel like if they would have paused the program 
uh, and try to get it back up to, to speed, I don't think they ever would have, you know, uh, would have recovered. I, I just think that football would have been dropped and it would have been, uh, it would have been okay with a lot of people that had some raw memories, mm-hmm. but the fact they came back and played in 70 and put that makeshift team together uh, really is, is part of the um, incredible feeling of that story that, that kind of hits you and says it takes great courage and why it's, why it's more a life lesson than really just a football story. So yeah, that all that happened and, and they kept football going and year after year they struggled. But as you mentioned there in the eighties began to turn it around. And then, you know, when I started doing the games and fortunate enough to uh, take over that opportunity, it was, it was gangbusters from there on out. One thing too, uh, Bobby Bowden was from Birmingham, which is uh, right. about, you know, 60 miles south of us. He was at Howard College. He is beloved in this state. He actually had the opportunity uh, to be the Alabama coach uh, one year, and they called him in, and they were bringing him in from Florida State, and he thought it was he was going to be, you know, presented with the job, and they wanted to sit down and interview him. He was like, no, we're not going to not going to do this and he went back to florida state uh, but he is he's he's beloved in this state always has been but uh, he's, he's a charismatic guy and obviously uh, a legend in college football just to have the chance to meet him and talk with him and i've met him on a couple of occasions he even spoke up here to a group uh, with coach pruitt had um and and was the guest speaker but just a captivating guy and, uh, yeah, a treasure, a treasure in college football for sure. Something we try to do on our program that's a little bit different. Um, we try to get to know the people themselves and know more behind the scenes about the person. To me, mm-hmm. to me, that's as big as the story itself. And your father, uh, Gene Morehouse, who was later become the, uh, the Marshall SID and uh, director for radio play-by-play, he he did high school football for 16 years in Beckley, Virginia, before you moved to Huntington, and was also involved in the Chamber of Commerce, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. He was a, a New Jersey boy from Newark, uh, and got into the radio business. Um, and back then, you know, kind of hopscotched around the country. He was in Manchester, New Hampshire. Beckley, West Virginia, and then on to, uh, he was in Keokuk, Iowa, had a, a short job uh, in radio there, but, you know, was just trying to find his footing in the business, but had two different times when we lived in Beckley, uh, and, and he kind of adopted that, uh, which is about an hour and 45 minutes from Huntington, um, and kind of adopted that as, as his secondary hometown, and the second time around uh, is when Marshall called him in 1968 for that opening uh, for Marshall's radio job, football and basketball. And we had six kids, and, and he told them at that time, well, I can't just take the radio job. I have to have I have to make enough money for, you know, my kids. My mom was a nurse. She worked also. But uh, so they combined the SID job and the radio play-by-play job, which they don't do much anymore because it's enough work on both sides. But uh, that was the premise upon which he would take the job so he could make a little bit more money and actually work two jobs at the school. And that's, that's what brought us from Beckley to Huntington in 1968. One thing we do here, uh, we've been doing high school ball for, I'm in, I'm going in my 30th year. Ron will be going in his 40th. Congratulations. And well, it's a lot, it's a lot of hours. I promise you that. Yes. And I've, I've got one in high school that plays, 
uh, every sport. So we don't get a lot of rest, if you'll notice. But <laughs> but one thing that's really neat, um, my you know, ever so often, especially if we're playing a school that um, my daughter's real familiar with a lot of the people, friends with them and all, it's nothing uncommon for her to come up and do a quarter with us. And it, it will actually thrill the players on the other other school. I mean, last year during one of the games, she came up and uh, did a whole quarter, and we just kind of flashed her little signals and give her some information. And, and she was uh, doing play-by-play, and I was getting texts from teachers that, hey, oh, it looks like bad. you may have a replacement. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun, but a lot of the players for the other school started sending little bits of recordings about her talking about them. And and so it's really neat. Like you father, you followed in your father's footsteps for eight years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just it's re- it it kind of comes in a circle like that. But it's really fun to see. Now one it thing, does, I, and I'm sure it makes you proud. I mean, to, to see that she she has that, you know, whether she does it for a living or just for fun, it's 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 cool that she's a part of what you're a part of. It is, and it, 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 it's fun. I mean, there's been times uh, I'll do the game when Ron's out, and she'll do uh, be the analyst role. Uh, sometimes she'll she'll ask me, like, why did they do that? <laughs> but it, it's, it's all in fun. But, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. But now, when your father took over at Marshall and was doing games, uh, one thing that caught my eye was uh, as he was – trying to wrap up the game uh, a lot of times you would be running around on the uh on the basketball floor or mm-hmm. or such as that it's it's the same here uh when we're finishing a game you'll watch all the young young elementary students they're out on the floor whether they've got a ball they don't it's there it's i think there's just something uh, it's it's like small town uh, it's just, it's a closeness and a bond that each community has with their school. Oh, I think you're right. And and one of the great things about sports, as you guys know, um, it, it's those little memories that you make that you don't think that maybe you'll remember down the road. I mean, we're just being kids out on the floor, get to play on the big floor, you know, after after Marshall had played, and he's wrapping up, and, and, and you're just part of a scene, and, and it's uh, – it's one of those things that sticks in your memory uh, for, for your life, you know, and, and it's, like I said, you don't necessarily know what's going to stick and what's going to, you know, make an impression on you, but that certainly did. And, and, uh, you know, just being a part of his, of his surroundings and, and being a part of the program, uh, just makes, it makes you just have a cool feeling. And, and uh, again, that they were a basketball school, but yeah, that was, that was quite a time. And you I guess as a kid, you probably think you're kind of cool out there on the big floor shooting baskets after a, after a game. But I, I think you're absolutely right. That's, um, you know, that's part of why, um, no matter if it's broadcasting or whatever the, the field or an endeavor it is, that, that, you know, you sort of follow your parents into the same business that they were in or you go that way or you gravitate in the same pr- profession. I think it's just uh, something you do subconsciously. You don't even really know it. And uh, I didn't know where this would take me. I just knew when I got into, uh, you know, around middle school and junior high, they called it back then. I started to think, well, I, don't, I don't know what I'll do, but I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that a shot. And, you know, when I went through college and I went to Marshall and, and got a degree in broadcast journalism, 
um, there wasn't, there weren't any radio opportunities. So I got on the TV side of things. And then, uh, you know, in, in uh, 1996, when Bob Pruitt came on board and Randy Moss was in his first year, I, I got the opportunity and I jumped at it. I, I had always felt like uh, in, in my mind that the dad didn't get to finish the job. He was only 48 when he passed away. And so uh, to have that incredible opportunity and to do it at that point when, when Marsha was, you know, busting out into Division One and, you know, that was, uh, you know, winning championships at the 1AA level. And then the next year in 97 is when they went all the way up to 1A and, and uh, you know, Moss was doing his things. And I'm at the Heisman Trophy ceremony with him one year, and two years later with Chad Pennington. And, and you know, a couple of years later, Byron Leftwich would have been there had he not hurt his leg and, you know, limped down the field in that game that we've seen on YouTube so many times. But, yeah, to have that opportunity and, and, uh, and then as I look back on it, uh, you know, sometimes you don't appreciate it as it happens. And then you look back and say, well, you know, Marshall can, has had great success since then. But to have three players like that and have the success they had like that right out of the gate, probably not, you know, not going to happen again in, in the way it is and the way college football is structured now. So I, I think back on it. And, I, of course, you know, I was at Notre Dame Stadium last year when Marshall beat them, and we covered that one and did a, our 45-minute uh, postgame show. And uh, so just to, to see things like that happen, and be lucky enough and blessed enough to cover them is, has been, you know, really an exciting part of my life and my whole adult life. And so I feel lucky and blessed to have the chance to do that. I was watching uh, an interview you had with, uh, and I hope I pronounced this name correctly. I always call it Jack Lingell. It may not be. Cool? Uh -huh. I was going to say I'm from North Alabama. That may not be. That may not be pronounced well, no, correct. That why that Y in, in the second part of his name is is uh, confusing. So yeah, but it's it's pronounced Lengel. Uh huh. You had a you had a good sit down interview with him. He he was the coach that actually came in, revived Marshall after the accident. Uh, he later was the associate AD at Louisville, Missouri, Fresno State and then became the AD at both Missouri and Navy, and I finished his career at the Naval Academy as the AD. Tell us a little bit about that interview you had with him. Tell me that, do that last time again. The, oh, the, the interview that you had with uh, Coach, Coach Lingale, uh a couple, of years, a couple of years ago, where you were able to catch up with him at the Naval yeah. Academy. Tell us a, yeah. little bit, a little bit about that. Well, we had I had I had stayed in touch with him over the years just because you know he's obviously a legend uh, at Marshall and he he has come back and forth a lot of times and um, so in, in 2020 it would have been the, it was the 50th um, year um, 50 years since the plane crash and so I asked my people at work uh, I'd like to I'd like to do a, a, a documentary if they'd allow me to do it. And um, they were all in on it. And so uh, I did, uh, we put together a piece called uh, um, 50 Years Later, A Change of Seasons 50 Years Later. And it basically chronicles what happened to the program since the crash and then what has happened since then. And we were lucky enough to, this was right in the middle of COVID in 2020. And our uh, management was said, you go where you have to go. And, and so we went down to East Carolina. I had talked to three players who played in that final game against Marshall. And all these years later, that, that tragedy had lived with them because, you know, you line up against guys, you're, 
you know, you're staring into their face mask, you're busting each other, you're, you know, blood, sweat, and tears in a football game. And, you know, they shook hands afterwards. And then, you know, later that night, they found out the plane had crashed and all those Marshall players were gone. So I, I did a piece on that. I did a piece with Chad Pennington, who's now coaching football over in Lexington. Uh, you know, and we, we just kind of delved into a bunch of different angles of, of the story. And Jack Lingle, we went to Annapolis, where, as you mentioned, he was the athletic director of the Naval Academy. Um, uh, he, he won a college football honor uh, given out by the College Football Coaches Association that, that Roger Staubach won. It's just a, it's a great honor that you, you know, that you get for your contributions to college football. So anyway, we got together on the campus there in, in Annapolis, and uh, he was part of the documentary. And then a couple of years after that, Marshall played Navy. And uh, so I sat down with him there and we just talked about it. And it kind of come full circle for him. He, he, he almost wanted to wear half a Navy blazer and half a Marshall blazer because he had close ties to both. But I guess the, the whole thing that always impressed me about Jack was taking a job that absolutely nobody wanted. In fact, Dick Bestwick was a, a coach down at Georgia Tech and um, he had originally taken the job. Um, but then came up and saw the circumstances and, you know, again, to rebuild a team with nobody uh, on a, in a program that had, you know, really suffered some tough losses and wasn't going through a very good time. I mean, who, who wants that kind of job? And I even asked Jack, I said, Jack, when you took that job, didn't some of your coaching friends say that's, that's not a job to take because he's a young guy at that time. But he said, I, you know, like he said in the movie, he said, I just heard about the situation and I thought it could help. And he coached four years there, only won nine games. But just to keep that program going, and at that, he got out of coaching and got into the administrative side of things. But, hey, what kind of legacy is that? If that's, that's the only job that you take in, in Division One, and you, you, know, you hold a program afloat that has had the most devastating tragedy in American sports uh, heaped upon them, and then you – I mean, I, I think that's – one of one of his proudest achievements, and it should be. And so he's just a fascinating guy to talk to, especially when you get inside his head. And you know, he was a, dissemble, a descendant of Bo Schembechler and Woody Hayes, and you know, the, all that, you know, Big Ten kind of football. But uh, what he did at Marshall is, is is so deserving of the recognition he's gotten, and he's such a great guy. And uh, just just thought it was he's a monumental part of that story of Marshall's rise from those ashes back then. Many also listening is unfamiliar. Actually, I was unfamiliar also until until I read up on it. Your wife was her her parents, uh, you know, perished in the crash also. But he was the team physician, and mm-hmm. and the and somehow both of you come full circle and met having not known each other. It, yeah, that's that's an incredible story. Well, it, it was happenstance, you know. Um, we had met uh, in Myrtle Beach on a senior trip. I, she and I had gone to different high schools in Huntington, and uh, we just met casually, and, and I heard her last name. And, you know, one thing about the crash, it's the, with the monuments and, and the ceremony they have every year, you just you know the name. The name's never, you know, they're emblazoned kind of in your mind. And I recognized the last name, Hagley, and I said, Hagley, is, is, is that's a Hagley from – the, the folks we lost in the plane crash and she said yes and so I told her you know my name and she knew that name and we just got to talking and as fate would have it uh you know we ended up getting married and 
um, you know, it's been, uh, it's been incredible to be here and to watch Marshall grow. And, and it also helps to have somebody alongside you that went through the same thing you did. And, and I, fortunately, uh, you know, we grew up with a mom, but she lost both her parents and it was, it was a really tough situation for her family because they've got, they got sent away to a, uh, to a, their, her mother's sister in Lewisburg, West Virginia. And so they didn't have the same kind of transition uh, after that crash that we did, but it always taught me that no matter how bad you think you have it, I lost one parent, she lost two. There's always somebody else that has it, you know, tougher than you do. So it gives us both perspective and we both have been able to kind of just uh, understand the travails of life sometimes and how you deal with them and, you know, pick yourself up and go about your day. So it's, it's been, you know, great to have her by my side and, you know, she's been great when I was doing all the games and still traveling. And so she's, she's been my right hand woman. You know, they always say behind every good man's a, a better woman and she's been fabulous. So we, have a couple of kids and now a grand a grandkid our first one uh here just recently and so it's been a wonderful wonderful way to to uh build a family also with you know thinking about the past and and the uh the history we have together you've since became the sports director wsaz in huntington mm-hmm. talk about how difficult it is with the hours you know being a husband father you mentioned having to to rely on her a lot. Um, How do you find a balance? Well, you know, you do have to have, you know, you have to absolutely have an understanding wife and family too. You know, there, there were some events that I missed. I I think back in the day when I was doing the games and also doing the coaches show, there was a span where I worked 61 straight days. You guys know how football season is. So, and, and dovetails into basketball and that was, that was busy. And, you know, so yeah, it does. You have to have someone who's strong and can can, you know, handle the household. And she's better at that than I am. But um, you know, the we look at the fortunate side of things. She's a school teacher, and so uh, I, I work nights. So, you know, we would kind of pass in the night. I'd go to work around two thirty or three and get home late, and she goes early and gets home at three. So, uh, but we looked at it as a fortunate thing. We were able, you know, not to have to put our kids in daycare. We were able to, you know, just kind of hand them off. But uh, it's just an understanding of what you do, what she does, and just trying to keep a family going. And yeah, because the hours, I tell people all the time, don't don't get into this because you think it's easy work. Because for the uh, whatever, four minutes I'm on at six and 10 and 11, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it, the late hours and the travel. And so it's not an easy profession. And so you do have to have an understanding spouse partner and uh you have to understand what they go through so it, it's tough but it's you know it's it's been it's been wonderful for us we've seen some great moments and gone to some great places and uh so you know no no regrets it's just part of life and and we've had a good run that's for sure just to also let you know marshall has the greatest colors in <laughs> in history that is our school colors Oh, you have the same colors. We right? got the same colors. We are Kelly green and white, and uh, I will. Pick up your school here when I get off here. By the way. Yeah. And one thing, what and as hard as it is to get Kelly green uniforms and yes. in jerseys now, we may have to start. Y'all wear them one or two years and then send them to us. It is it's impossible at the high school level to get Kelly green. 
Yeah, and I, I, you know, I know that. It was hard for a long time. Marshall had gone to a darker green there for a while, and everybody thought that's not Marshall's colors. So that was, uh, there was a big uproar among the fan base there for a while to say, hey, go back to Kelly Green. Uh, you know, the Eagles had done it for a while. I, I still think the Eagles should go back to the Philadelphia Eagles, should go back to their Kelly Green because it just stands out more. You know, that that dark forest green is, is, is not ugly. It just doesn't stand out like that. Kelly Green does so. I'm, uh, that's interesting that you guys have those same colors. That's that's very cool. It really is, and, and unfortunately, we've had to incorporate a lot of uh, a lot of black, a lot of dark yeah. green. Uh, it's not really our school colors, but it's it's what we've had to do. Um, what before we let you go, give us a little bit of a preview of Marshall coming up this year. I'm, they're in the Sun Belt, which is is one of the strongest tough uh, conferences. Uh, at that level, yeah, they um, you know they joined it last year, and and you know automatically, and and not it's not that Conference USA was a bad league, but it was really spread out geographically, and as you guys know, the Sun Belt, you know that it's just it's it's a southern based league, and as we all know, everybody loves their football down south, so you know you've got trips to Coastal Carolina and Appalachian State and Troy. Uh, Troy's uh, you know I've done games at Troy. It's a great atmosphere. Uh, you've got Louisiana, which is a great program. And, and, and you've, so you've got James Madison's addition, you know, uh, some of the schools that had, had come in with Marshall old dominion. Uh, so they've got some Virginia ties as well. And, and just geographically and, and, um, just like-minded schools. It's a tough, it's a tough, tough league. Marshall, uh, found that out last year. Now they finished their last five games on a five game win streak, finished nine and four. The capper was, of course, that win over Notre Dame. They were number eight in the country, and that's, uh, you know, that made national headlines and, and obviously, you know, gave a lot of attention to Marshall. And then, you know, you go through this, the Sun Belt, and it's, it's quite a gamut. Um, so this year, I think, you know, last year they, held their, they hung their hat on their defense. They gave up 16 points a game, which was top 10 in the country. Uh, now their offense uh, averaged about 24. They had a new young quarterback. And it took him a while to get his feet wet, but they won the uh, Myrtle Beach Bowl, beat uh, UConn, and now they're they're going to be picked at the top of the East, guys. Uh, but again, they have road trips to Coastal and to Appalachian State, and they also play at uh, South Alabama. So uh, they've got some tough road trips, but I think they expect good things. It's a tough league to win, really good football, um, and, and it's a fun league. I, like I said, the the fans are passionate. Uh, the venues are nice. The cities, the destinations are good. I think it's a really, really win, win-win for Marshall to uh, to be able to get out of the Conference USA. And you know, instead of going out to El Paso, Texas, they could take a trip to Troy or to Coastal Carolina or Appalachian State. And you know, those are all doable trips and and trips down south that uh, Marshall's fans have become used to over the years, way back from their days in the Southern Conference. So. Uh, it's it's a good league. I, I expect it to be really challenging, and uh, I think you know I think Coach Huff and the team is, you know, they're ready to tee it up and see if they can win a championship. Uh, winning a league championship in the Sun Belt uh, means you've had a pretty good season. It certainly does, and Mr. Morehouse. We certainly appreciate your time uh, spending it with us tonight, uh, letting people know more about your family, the you know the tragedy that each of you had to go through, but more importantly, just taking a little time to introduce a little bit of that to those here in North Alabama. And we certainly appreciate your time tonight. Well, 
thank you all for your interest, and it's really nice of you to have me. And uh, my brother lived in Opelika for a long time, and I, like I said, I've been down to the great state of Alabama a lot of times, and wonderful people. And it, it was really kind of you to have me on, and, and hopefully we'll uh, cross paths in the future sometime. I'll certainly look forward to it. Now, thank you very much, sir. You have a good evening. All right. Take care of yourself. All right. Thank you. That was Keith Morehouse uh, from Huntington, West Virginia. Certainly, certainly great to have him on. Just he brought out some things that I, I certainly didn't know, especially that uh, Bobby Bowden had actually interviewed for the job in uh, beforehand, and was you know mentioned that he was thankful that you know he wasn't on that uh, um, on in, you know on the plane that night. But again. Really enjoyed having him on, learned a lot, and uh, next week coming up on Tuesday night most likely will be Holly Pond coach Coleman Mason. The following week, uh, Greg Armstrong from over in Blount County will drop in to tell us a little bit more about some of the going-ons at Locust Fork and also we'll, inter we'll discuss some of the teams, whether it be Locust Fork, Cleveland, Southeastern, um, Pennington, uh, also uh, Susan Moore, as they get set for the uh, upcoming season. We'll get a little overview from him. This tonight's broadcast brought to you by Alpha Insurance, Talisa Shackle, Walker Brothers in Bailiton, Affordable Auto and Tire, Traditions Bank, Traditions Mortgage, Holly Pond Animal Clinic, Citizens Bank and Trust, Hopper's Family Market and Pharmacy, Mullins Body Shop, Merchants Bank of Alabama, Randall Shedd, Alabama District 11 representative, Holly Pond Supermarket, The Rough House, Farmer's Poultry Supply, Moss Service Funeral Home, Holly Pond Tire and Lube, Stewart's Auto Parts, Halls RV, Heritage Dental with Dr. Bradley McKinney, Alabama Web Press, Dan Stevens at Alabama Health Guidance, Sullivan Photography and Travel, The Spirit Shop, and the Award Palace. Hope you've enjoyed the program tonight. Be with us next Tuesday night as Coleman Mason joins us, and we'll look forward to having you, having you then. Good night, everyone.